how great is the God we serve. How immeasurably great is his power, his wisdom, his holiness and his righteousness. How wonderful he is in majesty divine. How searching are his ways and judgments. How great is his omnipotent control of all that transpires. What infinite foresight he possesses. Everything connected with him is illimitable and boundless, and yet perfect and complete. His omniscience takes into account all the movements and events that transpire among the nations. And as it is written, he even declares unto man his thoughts. Nothing can escape his piercing eye. He is the only wise God to whom be glory for ever and ever. We cannot do justice to his excellence and perfection and can only stand in awe and reverence before the magnitude of so perfect a creator. How small we as human beings appear in the world of creation. One generation cometh and another generation goeth and the world goes on. Men spend their years as a tale that is told. Our natural estate is as others. We come under the universal laws established by the will of God. The last few years have seen the passing of quite a number of brethren and sisters whom we knew and loved in the truth. They have gone the way of all flesh. And yet... There is a difference. They are entered into the everlasting remembrance of the God and Father whom they served. Whilst hidden in the ground, they are not hidden from God and his all-pervading spirit power. To be associated with God in covenant relationship is to be connected with things that are everlasting and abiding. And thus our worship this morning brings to remembrance our own intimate relationship with God and the eternal verities of heaven. But can God take notice of us, we who are so small and weak and feeble and humble, If it is written that the nations to him are as a drop in the bucket, what must we as solitary individuals be in the sight of God? Can he take notice of our needs and our desires? Can he enter into our difficulties and joys? Yes, he can. His comprehensive gaze and searching eye and all-pervading spirit is capable of being aware of everything. It is written in Proverbs chapter 15, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, 
beholding the evil and the good. Jesus himself said that not a sparrow falls to the ground without our Father's notice. And whilst we appear as sparrows, in a sense, yet we are of more value than many sparrows. You will remember the words of Hanani to Asa, king of Judah. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And so not only the physical condition of things, but the moral aspect of the matter enters in. And in this connection, the thoughts expressed in Psalm 139 provide for us a wonderful theme for consideration and show how the omniscience of God and his omnipresence are able to take into account the minutest details in the lives of his creatures, particularly those who have made a covenant with him by sacrifice. We are reminded that there is no place where we can hide ourselves from the presence of God. Our lives are in his hand, and he not only observes our ways, but he can record them by his Spirit, and he takes pleasure in the willing obedience that we exhibit. Now these thoughts can only be appreciated by those who have a profound regard for God himself and reverence his word, who realise the unchallengeable supremacy of God in this world, that he has made and rest upon and rejoice in his condescension towards those who hope in his mercy. To this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and that trembleth at my word. So with humbleness and sincerity of purpose, we have drawn near this morning to learn of his all-controlling spirit and purpose, which has drawn us into this intimate relationship. We have read in Psalm 138, verse 6, Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. We know of one who was meek and lowly in heart, in whom God delighted. He shared the close companionship of the Father and invites us also so to do. We see Christ in this psalm, as well as David and ourselves, and we can join in appreciation of the goodness and mercy of God, his attributes of perfection, which are as eternal as God himself. We have read in Psalm 139, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand! Do we feel we can apply that to ourselves? That we are under the almighty hand of God? And where do the thoughts of God concerning his children end? Unless it be in the perfection of being, the perfection of nature, the perfection of purpose that he himself has proposed. In that multitudinous family of the sons of God, 
with power who shall grace a glorified earth. He has said he will tabernacle amongst redeemed men and women with the amplitude of his power and spirit and they shall enjoy complete and perfect communion with him in the ages of eternity. Now with that in view, we can more readily see the present work of control, so that as Paul says, all things work together for good to those that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the abundant glory that is to be revealed. His searching power, his universal cognizance, his retentive mind, his all-pervading spirit, his unfathomable wisdom enter into all the details in the accomplishment of his will. He sees in a long panorama of events the things that are to transpire which time and circumstance bring about. Therefore, his omniscience foresaw the appearance of his only begotten Son, the Word made flesh, who in the process of time would appear to do the will of his Father. Our last reading, Luke 9, brings him before us in this way, and particularly in the question that Christ asked his disciples, Whom say the people that I am? Peter answered, The Christ of God, the Anointed One. So in the fullness of time, Christ appeared, begotten of the Spirit, born of a virgin, approved of God. God was intensely interested in and deeply affected by all that was connected with Christ because of the eternal purpose centred in him. In Psalm 139, we have that brought to our notice in verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. In Psalm 22 he says, Thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. Christ was God's servant, the son of his handmaid. The scriptures give interesting details of the angelic visitation to Mary, the one chosen by God out of all the maidens of Israel to be the mother of the Messiah. It is more than interesting, however, because it is the divinely appointed means for our salvation. What an insignificant event 
it seemed to be, in the general round of life in the Roman Empire. Luke 2 opens with the words, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed or enrolled. The Roman emperor, surrounded with pomp, ceremony and state, issued a decree to which all the world bowed. And so it was indispensable for Joseph and Mary to journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem to record their existence and to recognise the Roman yoke. But it coincided with the time in the omniscience of God that Emmanuel should be born to a virgin of the house of David. The babe was a production of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And this 139th Psalm is particularly applicable to his birth and the peculiar interest that God exercised in his son. Yet the Roman world went on in its usual course, oblivious to the momentous event that had happened. An event that was in time to revolutionise and turn upside down the Roman world. And finally, to turn the world itself upside down. As we follow the life of Jesus, we can, as it were, hear him repeating the sentiments of this psalm. Wherever he went, he was in touch with God. His mind was completely in tune with him. God's will was his delight. As we read in Psalm 138, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth for ever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. And so, withdrawn from the world on a mountainside, he was in touch with the Father in prayer and supplication, inspired with that omnipresence that carried him through the veil of tears and a solitude into which no other not even the disciples could enter. They understood none of those things when he spoke concerning his death. We are surely not saying too much to suggest that confidence and faith in an omnipotent God, as presented in this psalm, fortified Jesus in his pilgrimage unto death. And so, dwelling on that aspect of the matter, we... Being his brethren and sisters, learn great lessons by such a consideration. For his sake we are the especial care of the Father. We are within his circling power. Our lives are in his hands. And although the world takes no knowledge of us, except that we be enrolled in it for its own use, we are connected with events that are very soon to destroy the present constitution of things. When Emmanuel appears for the salvation of his people. This being so, our loneliness, our weakness, our smallness are by no means a disadvantage, but rather the accepted circumstances in which God can work with us. It seems so natural, 
Yet it is the characteristic means of divine ways and actions. God's overruling care is exercised in a variety of ways in the everyday circumstances that go to make up life. Psalm 139 brings that to our notice. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. How comprehensive, how searching. Distance is no obstacle or hindrance with the all-pervading Spirit of God. His penetrating view reaches to the end of the world, through walls, round corners, and in the darkness. He is everywhere present by his Spirit. We cannot get out of his presence, though he may hide his presence from us. The psalmist continues, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. He is in touch with all creation and there is no place where he is not. Think of Jacob when he was going to Paden Aram. Night coming on, he lay down to sleep on the sand with a stone for his pillow and the canopy of heaven for his covering. He dreamed of a ladder and in the morning on awakening he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. We think of the words of Brother Janaway in Without the Camp. When he went to the war office in 1916, he used the very same words. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. We remember Hagar when she fled from the face of her mistress. God found her in the wilderness. What are you doing here? Go back again. A second time she went into the wilderness with her son. And he, being at the point of death, she put him under a bush. God called to her, What do you hear, Hagar? I have heard the cry of the child. Yes, God heard. And picking up the child, she saw a well God provided. I will make of him a great nation. Yet she had put him there to die. Thou, God, seest me, said Hagar. Right in the heart of the British Commonwealth, we are gathered here this morning, and the same words come to us. Thou, God, seest me. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. Then we think of the words of the psalmist. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. 
We may think here of certain circumstances. As a man goes under water, God is there. Man continues to live by the breath of the Spirit of God. If we go down into the underground railway, we are in hell, in a sense, but there is a lot of bustling about. We think of the miners doing their work in the bowels of the earth. They go down hundreds of feet into the earth and along two or three miles to the coal face in order to get coal for us. He tried to get out of the presence of God, but he found the same truth. If I go down to hell, thou art there. In his second chapter, verse 2, he says, Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou hearest my voice. God was there. Jonah was doubly swallowed by the waters and by the fish, but God was there. That incident reminds us of the fact that he was a type of Christ, of whom it is written in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. While the Spirit necessarily left Jesus when he died on the cross and rested in the tomb, the omnipresence of God surrounded that body and watched over the form of Christ. Without doubt, the angels watched over him, and on the third day, by the omnipotent power of God, he was quickened to life again, shown the path of life, and was crowned with glory and honour. This is comforting to us, because he has said, Because I live, ye shall live also. To this desired exaltation we lift our hearts and hands, realising that this psalm places us in that position that wherever our lot is cast, whatever we do, our ways are open to thy view, our motives read, our thoughts explored, our hearts revealed to thee, the Lord. In darkness and temptation, let God take our right hand in his, holding us up and leading us through all the circumstances of life. There are times when the hand is indistinct. We cannot just see it, but we trust and we have faith. And so we go forward in humble recognition of that unseen hand. Without the camp, that godly power gives us confidence and bears us through the evil days. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Persuaded therefore as we are by the great goodness of God towards us, our earnest desire is that we may be found worthy of that eternal companionship that eternal life, that eternal joy. So in all sincerity we can close with the words of the psalmist in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, 
and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.